What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Field Stormers. As always, I'm your host, Mo Murphy, also the host of Up in Flames and VP of Off the Ball Network. And with me, I got my co-host, Walker Bailey, all big into Off the Ball Network betting. It's his season right now. It's the World Cup. It's college basketball. We're coming at the end of college football, the prime of the NFL season. Uh, Walker doesn't get into the NBA betting till late in the season. Heavy for those of y'all that don't know, but Walker, what's going on, bro? Not much. You know, I'll bet the NBA if there's nothing else going on and I find a spot I like, but I think I'm like 2-0. and Like, I think we're like in the middle of November, and I think I've bet two games this year. So I stay away from it, basically. Yeah, there's um, been a lot of factors, too. Yeah, so, but anyway. Um, oh. Yeah, I mean, not much else going on. Uh, it's rivalry week. My school's a shit show. Um, so we're going to try to pull one together, I guess, tomorrow night in front of the whole country in prime time uh, for the Egg Bowl. So we'll see if we can't figure something out and one, two straight Egg Bowls, uh, try to win a third. So we'll see. Yeah, and so speaking of your school being a shit show, we're going to go straight into it. So I'm going to let you lead this. I'm just kind of going to give the headline and the, the overalls, but you're closer to this, way closer to the situation than I am. Uh, there's rumors that Lane Kiffin is going to Auburn. There was a, ru- a report that came out that basically he accepted the offer, the money, the years wasn't on the table. Within this report, um, Lane Kiffin goes on Twitter and basically – Goes against the report, kind of, you know, goes viral a little bit because it was a it was a splash report. And so Lane Kiffin, 15 minutes later, kind of entertaining the fact that it was a false report, kind of trying to make the reporter look bad, things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the rumor is Lane Kiffin's going to Auburn. So from here, Walker, I'm going to let you kind of take the floor, explain it to the fans, explain it to the people, because you are a lot closer to the situation I am. I'm, I'm on the outside looking in on this. Yeah, I mean, he – so I fully expect that we'll say at the latest by Sunday night, uh, Lane Kiffin will be announced as the next head football coach at Auburn. Um, he's – I think he believes he can win more consistently at Auburn than he can win at Ole Miss, which whatever. Like, I don't really agree, but I'm not the one making the decision. Um, but that's his belief. Uh, he shot down the report and kind of did the whole Twitter troll thing, which I don't really get. Um, you know, everybody here has heard the same thing, knows the same thing. Uh, and he's still kind of pretending that he's going to be here next season, which is really odd. Uh, it would just be a lot easier for everyone if he would kind of, you know, just coach the game and go about this the way coaches that leave go about it all the time. Uh, but he hasn't. So I expect sometime between Friday morning and Sunday night that he'll be announced as the next coach at Auburn. Um, Apologize to Hugh Freeze. I carried the campaign for as long as I could. I tried to get you the job on this here podcast. Um, I, I'm sorry. I'm sure you'll be very happy in Morgantown. Um, yeah, no, I'm not hinting at anything there. Um, I'm sure you'll be happy there. But um, anyway, I expect Ole Miss to move really quickly. Uh, the portal, the transfer portal opens December 5th. Uh, so you have to get someone in here because not only do you have to start beginning to attack the transfer portal for incoming, but you have to protect, you have to find a way to communicate with your guys and try to keep guys out of the portal because I'm sure Lane's not going to um, leave our roster alone on the way out. So I don't know anything about who Lane will hire for staff or anything at Auburn. 
I just know that I think unless Auburn changes their changes their mind, um, then he will be the next head coach at Auburn. He had a virtual interview with Auburn, I think, like last Wednesday or something like that, mm-hmm. um, where he laid out like his five year plan for what he plans to accomplish at Auburn. Um, so yeah, I think that just is what it is. Um, Ole Miss will move on, and Ole Miss offered Lane an extension at around nine million a year. So I and they have I think seven to eight million dollars in football only NIL money right now uh, per year. So I mean it's probably uh, Wisconsin and Ole Miss are probably the two best open jobs on the market right now. Um, so I kind of expect Ole Miss to swing for the fences. Um, I'm sure they're going to call Luke Fickle. I'm sure that they'll be at the forefront of trying to hire Matt Rule. Um, and we'll just have to kind of see from that point forward. So that's pretty much all I have on that. Um, you know, I, I don't think anybody in Oxford thought Lane Kiffin was staying forever. Like, I don't think anybody was that naive. Um, I just don't think that people thought he was going to leave for a job. That's probably not much better than Ole Miss's if it's better at all. So. It seems like a lateral move. Like on the outside looking in, it, it seems more like a lateral move than elevating. Um, if you told me he was leaving for LSU, uh, even I, Texas A&M, I would have understood. Um, yeah, I could understand Texas A&M because you know, like with the NIL money that they got coming in with the want that that A&M wants to be great again. Uh, you've seen how much they've poured into Jimbo the past, you know, two to three years. As far as especially this past year, I mean. Bro, A&M led the country for three months in how much money and the rumors of buying players, right? Like, it was a controversy basically between Nick Saban and, and – uh, Even and, when even Lane got involved in that a little bit too. Uh, yeah, they were, like, feeling like they were buying players, but it was like, you know, essentially that's what you can do nowadays. And that Texas money runs deep for, for all the programs in Texas, but especially, like, A&M – and University of Texas, and you know they're gonna University of Texas is gonna be right in there pouring all the money into the program, heading into the SEC, having as strong as possible as a roster to be competitive as soon as possible as you can be, being a Big Twelve school heading into the SEC. Yeah, I think Auburn. I think Auburn's a lateral move. Um, I also think that it's been pretty shabbily reported that all that Auburn has all of this on hand nil money, and. I'm fairly certain that that's not true. Um, I'm fairly certain that they have a lot of vocal pledges for NIL money. But, you know, I can vocally pledge $20 billion to Ole Miss's football program right now, and that doesn't mean a thing because you don't have the money. Right. Um, so I think that there's a lot of that, and I think that's part of what sold probably Lane on the NIL structure at Auburn. Um I think it's a lateral move. Auburn's roster is in chaos. Um, it's not a good roster. It's going to be a complete and total rebuild um, for a program that expects you to win right away. Uh, they expect you to win a certain type of way. Their boosters are heavily heavily involved. I just I don't think it's a good fit for Lane. I don't think it's a good fit for Auburn. I think they're going to give him a Jimbo Fisher esque contract. Um, I think we're going to laugh about this in three years personally um and that's not and it's not because lane's not a good football coach because that would make me seem like a salty fan he's a tremendous football coach i just don't think that the fit between he and auburn is one that's going to work out really well um the fit this team perfect but like i said on the outside looking in it just is like he just embodies like the old miss culture the the fact that he and i don't want to say made him 
relevant again because Ole Miss is in the fight at any point in time in any season, right? Like, it's not consistently, but it's like you Ole Miss could be really good when you don't know how good they'll be. Like, even this year, like, Ole Miss was really good this year, and it's like, we don't know if they'll be a top 10 team. Will they be barely ranked and whatever? And I, know well, up again. I, feel like, I feel like Ole Miss is like where they'll likely be under just a decent uh, – under a good head coach is that when the playoff expands to 12 teams, they'll be in the back end of the 12-team playoff most years. Um, that's probably where they fit in the modern picture. There will probably be years where they break through and they're maybe a little bit higher than that, and there will be years where they're bad and they're not in it at all. Um just because that's the type of program they are. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you Ole Miss has a ceiling of being perennial SEC champions like Alabama and is going to be the one seed in the playoff every year. Because if you are an Ole Miss fan and you're thinking that way, well, I've got some oceanfront property in like Memphis that I can sell you. Um, but yeah, so I mean, we'll see. I think Ole Miss is going to get after it. And I think we'll start getting candidates at Ole Miss late to the public probably as soon as Saturday. Like I think they're going to try to have someone hired in like 10 days. Uh, yeah, from, I think they're waiting from the Egg Bowl. Like, I think they're waiting for the Egg Bowl to pass, right? Like, that's well, just well, and you've got to get Lane has to leave first. Like, he, like, he, because technically, like, if Lane wanted to change his mind and stay, he could technically do that. Now, granted, he would be a madman because, like, he's burned so many bridges here this week, uh, over the past week and a half or so. But, um, but I mean, technically, he could still do that. So he has to formally leave and go to Auburn before Ole Miss can start, like, the official coaching search process. Right, right, right. Yeah. So we kept it. So we're going to keep it in the SEC. And I say this without, I'm not doing this full-blown argument with you, Walker. This is between two teams. But the argument on Twitter, and I seen you entertaining this earlier today. I wasn't jumping in because you had a point. And some of the people want to jump so quick to be like, do I think, what we're about to talk about is SEC bias. Yes, I do. Now, to the extent that other people were arguing, like the, the we'll just go real quick. The Tennessee Penn State argument on social media is what you were entertaining earlier today. Do I think Penn State should be ranked ahead of Tennessee? I say yes, and I only say it for one reason. Their quarterback tore their ACL, which means the Tennessee from the past 10 weeks is no longer as good as they've been. For the past 10 weeks, their resume is better than Penn State's throughout up to this point. They have been a better team. If it was me and the committee, what I would be arguing is just the fact this isn't the same Tennessee's team now that Hendon Hooker tore his ACL. But every point that you made, resume, the beating LSU, who is now the number five, they beat Alabama, you know, they smoke Kentucky, smoke Florida, like all of that is, yes, LSU has, they're a better two-loss team than Penn State. Penn State's only played two good teams and took losses in dominant fashion throughout points of the game, basically, whether they were dominated from start to finish or dominated in a quarter between Ohio State and Michigan. Yes, the two good teams they played. So I say that I say all that to say this. I do think there's an SEC bias, and this is who we're about to talk about. LSU is number five in the college football playoff. USC is number six. Before I let you go, I'm going to tell you my problem with this. USC could win the Pac-12. Realistically, they're five-and-a-half-point favorites going into Notre Dame, which we will cover that game here in a little bit, but they're five-and-a-half-point favorites. So they're favorited to win this game. They might be a field goal underdog, Max, against Oregon, 
going into the Pac-12 championship, me telling you that I think they could win both of those games, I haven't lost my mind. Like, I know you you could make an argument that they don't beat Notre Dame. You could make an argument why if they do beat Notre Dame, they won't beat Oregon. But even if they're dogs in the Oregon game, they're a field goal, maybe four and a half at the most. And I think that'll be to get a lot of people to pound the, the USC plus four and a half line, right? Just because that's the way Vegas works sometimes, but they also know stuff that we don't. But LSU is a two-loss team. I get they beat Bama, but they got drugged by Tennessee and they lost to what now looks like a decent Florida State team, but they have two losses. My problem with it is the fact that going into conference championship, even if both teams are underdogs, LSU is going to be a double-digit underdog, guaranteed. I, I am willing to bet LSU goes into the SEC championship against Georgia 10, 12, 13-point underdogs. Like, I, I'd almost be willing to bet. I, I haven't seen I think, it'll be more. I think it'll be more. I think it's going to be like 16, 17. Which even makes it, like, I was being kind. I'm just saying they're going to be double-digit underdogs, but they could be a plus 17 and a half, which tells me that, Vegas is telling me that they don't think this will be a game. I think you would probably not imagine that LSU could make this a game because we talk about the possibilities that we could break that down all day if LSU won this game. But that's like the biggest if of any if in the college football playoff scenario right now is LSU winning. It's so 15 they're going to go in 15 and a half. And that's before the games are played in rivalry week. Let LSU not look good against Texas A&M and let skate out a victory. It probably moves to 18. Like I... I really think it probably moves to 18. Maybe not. You know a little more about how the betting lines work. But what I'm saying is they're going to both go in. And even if both of them are underdogs, I know Georgia is a much better team than Oregon. Been proven on the field. LSU is basically going to be given no chance to win this game. Going into that game, it would be a huge shocker if they beat Georgia and it would create for another conversation. USC has essentially the easier road than than then LSU. And over the next two games, L USC playing Notre Dame is going to be a bigger win than LSU beating Texas A&M. Even if they beat the piss out of Texas A&M, Notre Dame, I mean, USC beating Notre Dame is going to be considered a bigger win. Notre Dame's number 15 right now. And then they're going to play a top 10 Oregon team. Oregon is now standing at number nine. Barring Oregon losing to Oregon State, they're going to play a top 10 Oregon team. They just beat a L or UCLA team. I understand UCLA isn't as good as Alabama. I, I completely understand it. But my problem is you basically left room for a, U a LSU team that, like, they, like, USC doesn't control their own destiny. And it even goes deep to the point of if this Ohio State-Michigan game is very close, USC winning these next two games could. You're sending the message that it will be an argument on whether that was enough to get in Granted, I think a lot of people think this. If Ohio State is the team that loses in a close game to Michigan, they got more of a shot of getting in without winning the conference championship than Michigan does based on the fact Ohio State played Notre Dame and Michigan didn't. Like, their out-of-conference schedule was stronger because while they were playing Notre Dame, Michigan was playing Colorado State and UConn. So, I get it. But all I'm saying is they're basically telling me that a 12-1 and Pac-12 championship team potential team will not control their own destiny. Do you think USC got snubbed by being six behind LSU? I don't think that's what they're telling you, though. Like, I think they're telling you that they weigh wins more than they weigh losses. And, I mean, USC has a chance to 
I mean, to grab two more quality wins and those, that's an opportunity that LSU doesn't have. Um, you know, if USC runs the table and I believe Notre Dame's actually a ranked opponent now. Um, 15. Yeah. So you get a top 15 win or top 20 win there. And then you go and you beat Oregon uh, and you collect two more, two more really high quality wins. And that gives you the, you know, they could easily just jump jump them on the last week. I mean, we've seen changes like that happen all the time with the committee. I well, just think if LSU, if LSU don't win the game, that's what it comes to. No, down. I'm saying even if LSU wins out, I mean, I think you could see USC jump just because of the quality of their, like, remaining wins, and it would be more than one of them. Um, I just, so you're telling me you think USC – just real quick. You're telling me you think if LSU beat Texas A&M and beat Georgia, but USC won out, USC could jump LSU? I think so, yeah. So do you think there's a world that LSU could win the SEC championship and not make it? Uh oh probably not. I don't know, honestly. I think Georgia doesn't get in. Like I think if they win No, yeah, Georgia because Georgia would be a one loss, a one loss team. Like they would get like, in. I think they would get in, but if TCU let's just Ohio because because we're gonna talk about the game, but I'm Ohio State fan for everybody who has not figured that out yet. Ohio State's favored by seven and a half. So for all purposes of this, we're just gonna assume Ohio State wins since they're favored. By yeah, them. so we'll just play. So what what under the circumstance you would have Georgia one loss in the SEC championship. We're gonna assume TCU goes undefeated just because that that saves for not being confusing. It keeps it between five teams. Georgia goes, so they're 12 and one. TCU's undefeated, Big 12 champs. Ohio State's undefeated Big Ten champs. USC is 12 and one Pac 12 champs, and LSU is nine and two or ten and two. They'd be eleven and two SEC champs. The only other dark horse, the sixth team that plays a fact, well, there'd be two more teams that would play a factor in arguments, but I don't think as much would be Michigan at 11 and one in a close loss to Ohio State and Clemson, who would be 12 and one ACC champs. That's just bank, banking on favorites. That's all I'm saying. I don't, I think Clemson has the farthest shot, but I'm just saying with the 12 and one conference champ of the ACC still has an argument, even though I don't think the committee would sit there and debate that. I think it would be between those five teams. So Georgia gets in. Ohio State gets in and TCU gets in. That's to me obvious. I don't care who's one, two, or three. Those three get in if that happens. The argument now is a 11 and two LSU SEC champion versus 12 and one USC Pac 12 champ. You really think USC gets in over LSU? I think it's a, I think it's a long conversation. I don't think it's just impossible. I mean, I think that they're basically telling you that they want to see USC beat quality opponents because to this point they have won. Like they beat UCLA and quite frankly, Arizona also beat UCLA. So like, you know, I think they're just waiting. Two, they would have beat the number. They would have the one quality win that you need beating the number one team in the country. And they also had beat Alabama. So we know how much the committee values Alabama, but they would have the one win that you need by beating the number one. And, they, and if Ole Miss wins, Ole Miss is still going to be ranked, and they drilled Ole Miss. So, um, I mean, they would have like three. They would have like three top twenty wins. Um, no, I mean, I don't know. It's tough because it just seems like they're valuing LSU's ability to play against. Um, God, this sounds like I'm just like stumping for the SEC, but it just sounds like they value the competition level that LSU has faced throughout the year a lot more than they, than what USC has faced. And quite frankly, fine. That's okay. It's no, maybe, quite frankly, like I'm not sure that there's an argument otherwise. Like I think that they're right. I just think it hurts some feelings. 
And like, and they're like, people are just going to have to get over that. Like, I mean, LSU beat, you know, LSU's one law or LSU lost to Florida state, which is a bad loss, even though Florida state's pretty good. Um, of course it's not that good, but well, I mean, but they're, they're fine, but they basically lost a home game to Florida state, which is inexcusable. Um, but then like after that, you lost to Tennessee, but then you turned around and you beat Alabama, you beat Ole Miss. Um, in this scenario, you beat Georgia. Like you've proven, like you've kind of proven yourself. And I know that you and I personally think that Alabama is a little bit worse than their ranking. And you and I probably think that there's some cracks in the armor, but for where they're ranked right now, that's the quality that they're, they're giving Bama the benefit of the doubt, which is fine. They're a dynasty. They deserve it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I mean, it's hard. It's a, it's a tough decision because you're basically saying, you know, are we going to value USC's win over Notre Dame and USC's win over Oregon? A Notre Dame, by the way, that lost to Marshall and someone else stupid. Um, I mean, and I know they're playing a lot better now, but like those things did still happen. This is that same team. Um, you know, you kind of have to try to buy into USC's wins, and that's hard. You know, they they played a road game against Utah and lost. They played um, they played UCLA at home and won a game that really could have gone either way. And quite frankly, USC's defense was really unimpressive. Um, yeah, that's true. And then you play, and then you're buying into a Notre Dame win at home and a neutral site. And then it would be a neutral site win over Oregon. And that neutral site win over Oregon would be the only time that you beat a quality opponent outside of your own stadium. So let me ask you this. If Oregon State was to beat Oregon, does that help USC a ton? No, because the Oregon win would get worse. Like but the Oregon State win would be better. Like It, yes, would, be, it, would, yes, be it would because that's on the road. But you right now, you don't need – because Oregon State's not going to get ranked. You need Oregon to like – ranked build. right now. Well, you want – I know, but you want the highly ranked stuff, and Oregon's still way up there. Yeah, they're number nine where Oregon State's 21. Want, if they beat Oregon, they probably jump to like 16, 17. You want Oregon, you want Oregon to drill Oregon State and jump to like eight or seven, and then you want to like go to Vegas. I think that's where the game – it's either in Vegas or like San Francisco. I can't remember which one. It's Vegas. Um, you want to go there and just absolutely drill Oregon. Like, and find a way, like, you've got to run the score up and get some style points. Like, almost like Tennessee was doing in Missouri. Um, yeah, like, you've got to get style points. I just think their value, LSU's level of competition right now, like, which, but it just, I do, for the sake of the other side of the argument, it feels like they're ignoring the Florida State loss. And to me, that's just kind of crazy. Right. And that's my biggest problem is like, okay, I'm not talking about LSU's wins. They got, the quality wins and they have the potential to have the quality of all quality wins being the number one team in the country. I'm arguing the losses and I know that good wins can cancel out losses. But like you said, like with Notre Dame, the losses still happen. You still lost to Florida state. Florida state has played four ranked teams at the time. Florida state is one and three against those. Their one win was against LSU, which means Florida state is good when they don't play good teams. That that's what that tells me. And it was a neutral site in new Orleans. That's a home game for LSU. Everybody had to come from Baton Rouge to New Orleans. Stanford, that's who Notre Dame lost to. That's who it was. Yeah, they lost to Ohio State, Marshall, and Stanford. But still, like you're telling me. Three and eight Stanford. Yeah, it's it's a bad loss. Notre Dame is taking bad losses, but you're telling me that Florida State loss doesn't matter. So now you're valuing them almost as if LSU is coming to the table and their only losses against Tennessee that matters. 
But the Florida State game happened. And you could say Florida State beat them on the road. The game was in New Orleans. Like everybody traveled from Baton Rouge to New Orleans. Like that's not a far trip. That was a home game for you. Like oh, just like the, about it the way the committee is thinking about it. The committee is looking at it and say, all right, LSU, yes, they have two losses, but they lost to the 10th ranked team in the country and they lost to the 16th ranked team in the country by our metrics. That's what they're yeah. that's what they're looking at. They're saying they lost to two top 16 opponents while USC has yet to gain quality wins. Like, I mean, right now, you, you well, technically USC played a road game against UCLA, but they share a stadium, I'm pretty sure. So, like. It's in the same city anyway. Doesn't matter. Yeah, like, dude, like, I'm not, that's not a road game. Um, You know, your true road game at Utah could have gone either way. But other than that, like, I'm supposed to, like, you beat Rice, you beat Stanford, you beat Fresno State. The win over Oregon State's a quality one. That's a hard place to win. But like, and that's one where I'm sure they'll get credit for it. But quite frankly, the beaver on the side of the helmet is not one that just makes you think, "Oh, that's an incredible win." Right. Um, Arizona State, nothing. Washington State at home, nothing. At Utah was a loss. Arizona, nothing. Cal, no. Colorado, no. And then UCLA. Like that's it. That's the whole schedule. And then so yeah, I mean, you know, the potential of beating Notre Dame and Oregon. The other problem USC had, I think, I think the other problem USC had is that a lot of these games where they were massive favorites, they didn't win convincingly. Like you go to Stanford as a big favorite and you win by 13. You go to Arizona as a really big favorite, you win by eight. You go, you play Cal as a 21 point favorite and you win by six. You know, I think that those games too also do something to the psyche of voters because it's like, damn, like they really struggle. Like it's the kind of the same thing that the committee has an issue with with TCU is they just fail to put teams away and like bury teams. And like there is a dominance factor, I think, to the voting where if you're not putting teams away and being, if you're not going to have quality wins and you're playing bad teams and you're, also not winning in dominant fashion like at some point like we can excuse close wins if you're beating other really good teams in the same way but they haven't really done that ucla is really the is the only one and that just happened this week i mean who knows maybe they beat notre dame at home by you know 14 this week and they jump lsu next week if yeah i mean that's definitely a possibility on the table um but for sake of time argument only because we got to get to the game of all games Notre Dame plays USC. Give me your prediction. You know, uh, how do you think this game's going to go? I've got Notre Dame. Um, I think they're going to be able to run the football really well. Uh, UCLA ran for over 200 against uh, against USC. I think Notre Dame's actually a more efficient and better running football team. Uh, I think the big thing here is that Notre Dame has to make sure they protect the football. Um, USC's defense is awful, but they've been adept at forcing turnovers this year. I think if you can get out of here with a with a zero um, in the turnover column, then I think Notre Dame is going to be able to score almost at will against this USC team. And I think this Notre Dame defense is good enough to at least get a couple stops, maybe force a turnover against that USC offense. Because that USC offense is really good. It hasn't looked invincible this year, though. Um, like, we've seen better Lincoln-Riley offenses. So I like Notre Dame here in the upset. That's why I'm kind of like with the LSU-USC debate. I'm kind of just like, eh, whatever. It's going to take care of itself. Like no reason in arguing it, but um, yeah, I've got the I got the I got the Fighting Irish. I'm going with USC. Um, I just 
I don't know. I just I think I kind of want to see USC in the playoffs. Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams. It just has a little more pizzazz. Um, if you have USC in there, the even just going into the playoffs with the potential of the national championship being in LA, and who knows if USC if they're the fourth spot and they get Georgia, bad matchup. Get them on, get them on up out of there. Um, but if they somehow things work out their way, they get the three seed and they play the you know Ohio State. I think that could be a pretty good game. Um, and just the potential, just the USC, the brand basically being back. I'm going USC here uh, in a close one, though. I'm not even sure they cover. I could see them winning 34-31. Like, I could see this being a close, tight-knit game. USC is able to pull it out because they get the ball last and kind of wore Notre Dame out. So, real quick, the game, Walker. The game of all games is this weekend, and it is the game of all games for really the first time in a while as far as being the game of all games, probably the second biggest rivalry in college football. Uh, people argue what's bigger, the Iron Bowl or this game. Behind um, the egg bowl, you mean? Yeah, anyways, um, Ohio <laughs> State has been, you know, for the past 11 years, they're 10-1, and one, but they that one just came last year. This is a number two versus number three team, which will make this the premier game. I don't care who was on the side of the helmet. I don't care what division they were, what conference they were in. Number two versus number three, based on the slate of games this weekend anyway, would make this the premier matchup. If it was Georgia-Bama, Ohio State-Michigan, Tennessee versus Kentucky, it doesn't matter. Number two versus number three is happening. I have a bias here, so Walker, I'm going to start with you, and then I'll close it out before we get on up out of here. Expectations for the game, and then when you're all said and done, give me your winner. I just want to see how Ohio State responds to the level of physicality that Michigan's going to bring. Because, like, you know what they're going to do. Um, you know, the formula as to how they're going to try to play is already out there. I mean, you know they're going to run it straight at them. They're going to try to beat them the same way they beat them last year. Um, you know, I know Michigan has a lot of health questions, um, including Blake Corum, which is obviously a massive one. So, just for that reason, I'm going to take Ohio State at home close. Uh, just because I really don't know the status of what Michigan's health is going to be. Uh, but if Michigan comes in healthy, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they won. I mean, I just like, you know, they were physically dominant last year. There's been times I'm, I'm not a believer in Ohio state's defense. Like, you know, I tried to get there earlier this earlier this year. Um, don't be rude. I'm not being rude. I'm just saying like, I just, I, you know, Maryland carved them. Um, I just think – I will say this. This is not one where Ohio State really has to worry about a dynamic quarterback dicing him up. Like, you don't really have to sweat that. Um, you probably played a better quarterback last week than you're playing this week. We did. 100% yeah. we did, and I'll stand on that hill. Yeah, and so um, – yeah, and so I think that if Ohio State can step up and respond to the physicality and, and stop the run, they'll do enough at the shoe to get the win. Yeah, so obviously I'm going Ohio State. We're going to win this game, all right? We're playing with a chip on our shoulder. It's at home. It's a must win. You have to win. I think all the pressure is on Ryan Day um, to win this game. If you want to hear like how I got to say more in detail about this game, you can check out, check out the Locked On Buckeyes show on Friday. It's basically the Ohio State-Michigan preview hosted by my guy Jay Stevens. We go into major depth talking about this game from both aspects and a win and a loss and what this game means. But I think for Ryan Day, this is a career-defining moment right here. I think him getting this win will be big time 
for Ryan Day, and I think he needs this win. I don't think he wants to be the first coach in a long time to lose two in a row to Michigan. Um, we've been pretty dominant this decade, this past decade, as far as dominating Michigan. And I think, and you could call me crazy, I know the the physicality is in question. Um, some of the play calling decisions is in question. But I think it's fair to say, evaluating Ohio State, I think they've played it safe all year. I think what they've tried to do is know that all they have to do is win. When you know Michigan is coming up, the goal for both teams all year was all you had to do was win. All you had to do was come into this game undefeated and unscathed. Doesn't matter how close calls you had because both of them had them last week, uh, respectively against Illinois and Maryland. But it didn't matter. When you woke up Sunday, you knew you won and you knew you were playing the number three team in the country come next week. Everybody knew that. And I feel like even with looking at Michigan, I feel like at times they were playing like, all we got to do is win. That's all that matters. As long as we go in 11-0 to play Ohio State. So I think the physicality factor, I think it's going to come out this game. I think they're hearing all the, they've, been, they, they've addressed it in their, in their interviews. It's like, we hear you guys calling us soft. We hear you guys saying we're not this, we're not that. You know, I think Ryan Day hasn't unleashed the playbook. And I know we have a bunch of playmakers, but I think there's still a few with the type of playmakers we have. I think there's a few tricks in the bag. And I think for both teams, everything's on the table for this game. So it could be scary for Ohio State. It could be scary for Michigan. I just think this will be the best game you'll see Ohio State play up to this point this year. I think this will be the best Ohio State team that steps on the field. I think this is the game where, listen, broken bones don't matter. We're not trying to get, we tried to get to this game as healthy as possible. Broken bones don't matter. You know, uh, tearing your ACL for this game doesn't matter. Leave it all out on the field because we must win. You can have national championship aspirations, but all of that could go out the window with a loss at this game. And so I just think you'll see all things on the table from the Ohio State perspective. And I think we win this game. Um, I think we win a little bit bigger than people think, but I don't think we win huge. Like, I think the big... The score, you're like, okay, it was closer than the score says, but that key turnover and putting it, you know, punching them in the mouth at the end or whatever is kind of, you know, how this game goes. I think we win by 13, and I say that where I think we're up six, Michigan gets the ball, and we cause a turnover. Like, I'm not saying we're up 13 most of the game. We dominated it, and it was able to run in. I think, like, we're up six, cause a turnover. Either we put the defense puts it in the end zone or now that we have the ball, two and a half minutes left, let's put this game away. Go up 13. Don't give Michigan enough time to really respond. And they start panicking. You make J.J. McCarthy throw the ball and it's not going to be enough. Um, I think Blake Corum, if he is healthy, I think 148 yards and two touchdowns is the type of game I think he'll have. Don't think it'll be enough. And the reason I say that, bro, they ran for what? Almost 400 yards on us last year. They're not doing that this year. Uh, the offense is on the back of Blake Quam. I know Donovan Edwards, he's a good running back too. Don't get me wrong. Um, but that one-two punch isn't Hassan Haskins and Blake Quam la of last year. Let's just be honest. The offensive line, their offensive line is pretty good. Not the O-line of last year. D-line's pretty good. Not the D-line of last year. They don't have Aiden Hutchison this year. I'm sorry. Um, they're, yeah, they're, they don't have another first-round pick on the other side either. Yeah, and their skill position, you know, their corner, their secondary, been pretty decent. I've seen our I've seen our receivers cook better. Just saying, like I've seen us in matchups where we where I, I've seen against Joey Porter Jr. What we did, like I, I'm just saying, there's been points in times where I like our matchups against theirs. 
Um, and I think we're going to bring the toughness. I think we're going to put it all out on the table. And I think Ohio State wins by 13. I think uh, 37-24. I think we're up 30-24, to cause a turnover, get in the end zone late, punch them in the mouth, celebrate it, and get on up out of, out of Columbus with a win. Had to get ready for Indianapolis to go to the Big Ten Championship and get ready to hear our names called at number two. Uh, is the expectation on selection Sunday the following weekend? So, I hope y'all played. I hope y'all played Purdue or something in the Big Ten Championship and have to conquer those demons. Purdue don't want to play us in the Big Ten. <laughs> I'm just saying we gonna wear that 2018 loss. We gonna wear that on the chin and we gonna beat the door. We're beating the doors off of whoever we play. Once we get past Michigan, yeah, it's it's a possibility of like three or four teams. But I do feel like once we get past Michigan, I feel like we could get that monkey off our back as far as play it safe to this game, and now it's all pedal to the metal here because now we, we've won the game that we needed to win. National championship aspirations are alive, well, and kicking, and now we can put the pedal to the metal and start playing the best Ohio State football that we can play, which I think does start this Saturday. You could call it bias. I'd I never pick Michigan to win. I, I really could care less. I will never do that anyway. Um, you could give me every reason why Michigan will win this game, and I don't care. I still will pick Ohio State. Just can't do it. Um, but, yeah, so I appreciate everybody for tuning in. We appreciate everybody for listening. Make sure you go follow us, fieldstormerspodcast.substack.com. Make sure you subscribe. Appreciate you for tuning in, listening, and we will catch you next week, hopefully a lot sooner, probably shoot for like a Monday or Tuesday and be able to talk about the big game this weekend. And hopefully I'm in great spirits because Ohio State ends up beating Michigan. Make sure you go to offtheballnetwork.com also to check out everything for your sports needs and entertainment, all the good stuff we got going on over there. And Phil Stormers, we will catch you next week for Conference Championship Weekend.